Good morning, church. Good to see you. Isn't that fun? You know, that guy, I think, is a twice-deployed, he's, he's an officer in the artillery, Gulf War veteran, and to hear him talk so nice about you, you must be some pretty special people, you know? He was also the principal of Linden High School, and as a former high school student, he never talked that nice to me, you know? So, and that all started because I, I stopped by, I could have an appointment, and I said, <laughs> I said, hey, Freedom Center would like to partner with what the community's already doing, and I hear you're the head of this, and how can we help? He said, well, you're not going to come stand up and start telling everybody they're going to hell, are you? And I started laughing. I said, you obviously don't know us. <laughs> we, uh, we do believe in heaven. We do believe in hell. But we're not here to talk about hell. We're here to talk about Jesus. And we're here to help people figure out a way to get there. He said, okay, well, as long as you kind of, you know. Oh, by the second week, he's like, man, let's get a bigger insurance writer because you guys are crazy. And uh, I love that. I love that. It's good to be back from Costa Rica. I, I got to go with the team this last week. And if you ever want to recover from surgery, hang out with 20-year-olds in tropical heat. Um, so it, was, it, was a, it was a brilliant rehab plan. I'm in, I'm in the back of the pack, like, trying to catch up. And they're, hey, and these long antelope legs. It was a lot of fun. But you've been on missions teams. There's the trip that you go where you build something. Like, we're going to construct. It's, it's guts, and it's blood, and it's sweat, and it's construction and there's concrete and there's steel and there's suffering and then there's the ministry trips where you preach the gospel and you build the kingdom and you work with leadership and you can I can I tell you just can I just brag for a second on our ministry academy students they're excellent at both like they're sweating and bleeding and steel and concrete and cement board and you know our cement board comes in three by five sheets because we're Americans and it's heavy down there it's like four by eight be a man and they weigh hundreds of pounds. And we had a girl. I'm not sure which one because I don't want to embarrass Kate. But we had a girl. They just grabbed it and started walking with it. I thought, man, you're going to be such a good mom. <laughs> Your kids are going to be so afraid of you. You know what I mean? <laughs> Beautiful. And, uh, and then when it was all done, they go, let me take a nap. On the way back to the, where we were staying, maybe a quick shower. Out comes the guitars. And, and here comes the king and his kingdom. And they did outreach. And everywhere they went, people were being... Actually, there was one time we were leaving. One of our guys, like, got stopped. Would you pray for me? I wanted you to pray for me, but I, I didn't have the nerve to ask. So I'm in the car. I'm tired. I'm old. Can I get a witness? Come on. Raise your flabby arm and shake it at me. Come on, brothers and sisters. You know what I mean? And, and, uh, and I, I'm, I'm, I don't want to beep because it's rude, but if, if that kid prays one more minute, I'm going to chill him. You know what I mean? And finally, amen, he runs and gets in the car. And, and then they, they just celebrate the goodness of God. I am telling you, if I were a young person and I didn't know what I wanted to be when I grew up, I would join FCA because you cannot be far from the will of God amongst those young people. It was beautiful. I love them. I'm so glad to be back home with my wife because she's so much nicer to me than they are. And, and uh, 90 degrees ain't nothing. That's all I'm saying, right? So how many of us know that life has a rhythm? There's a rhythm to it. So let's say, like last week, it was an experiential time. It was a holiday weekend. Room was packed from what I understood. People were praying. There were some words of wisdom that came out. God was moving. How many of us know that if the church was built on nothing more than the experiential, beautiful, powerful things of Jesus, we, we would run into some issues eventually with heresy? Come on. If it's all about the experience, well, how do you know what experience is God and what experience is my flesh and what experience might be actually the devil, right? But, it, but if it was all teaching, if all we're going to do is talk about the hermeneutics of Logan historiography dictate, that I, you know what I mean? You're like, thanks, but, but I am so bored. Like, can we quit talking about the stuff and maybe do some of the stuff? So there's a rhythm. Even in the ministry of Jesus, there's a rhythm. 
There, there's the, uh, the sermon that he cast out demons and he healed the sick and he raised the dead and he opened blind eyes and deaf ears and then the Sermon on the Mount, several chapters of biblical teaching. It is important to us as a congregation, there is a staff to this congregation, hear me, that you have opportunity to move forward in your walk with Jesus experientially. And it's important to us that you move as well in this grounded and founded teaching. Without teaching, without the foundation, it's hard to say to somebody, I had this great experience. Well, how, what, that's a biblical experience. I don't believe the Bible. And you go, oh, okay, I'm sorry that you don't believe the Bible, but I, I met the author, so. And the conversation's over with. How many of you guys know that if someone has doubts, fears, concerns, objections, the body of Christ should have answers? Matter of fact, this is, this is what it says in 1 Peter. It says, in your hearts, you should revere Christ like, like he's the Lord. Always be what? Always be what? It's going to require a little bit of work here, right? But we need to be prepared. We need to prepare ourselves for what? To give an answer to everyone who asks you. To give a reason for the hope that you have. Hope is an experiential thing. The reason is a teaching thing. And so along with the experiential, this summer, guys, we're going to spend time doing outreach we're going to have overnight prayer retreats where we're going to go to the Linden campus. Linden, everybody say good morning, Linden. Good morning, Grand Blank. Good morning, Pontotoc. No, you got to say good morning to Pontotoc. Good morning, Pontotoc. There it is. Good. Sorry, Greg, can say just being a wise guy. Just Yankee humor and get over it. It's the way it is, right? But we, we, we have to be able to answer. We want experiences. We want to go to Cedar Point. But, you know, we also need to take some engineering classes so we know why we're not dying at Cedar Point. We need some practical things. We need some experiential things. We need both. And, and, I, and I, I think, how many of you guys would, would see the danger in the extremes? Uh, without mentioning denominational names because it might be taken the wrong way. I am so grateful that some parts of the body of Christ are, are so doctrinally sound that they challenge my doctrine. How many of you guys know that if you're way over here and you don't think God does anything anymore... He stopped doing it at the death of the last apostle. All we have is the word of God. I can see why they'd focus on that. It brings a value to the body, but how many guys think they might be missing something? Well, the other side, right? It's all experiential. I had a feeling. I had a discernment. I have a word. You know, thou shalt robbeth the bank. You know, huh? Just because it's King James doesn't make it Jesus. And so we need both. We, we need thou shalt not steal, but we also need the experience of the one who's so good we don't need to steal. So in this, remember this word, you need to give an answer. The word, the word give an answer, that phrase is the, the word apologia. We get our word apologetics. Have you heard the word apologetics? It sounds like you're, you're sorry for something. It's, that's not what it means. It means to be able to answer questions. Why do you believe the Bible? Apologetics, the study of this truth, says this. Why do you believe that the Bible is historically accurate? Well, because archaeology, da, da, da. Well, how do you reconcile if there's a good God and there's evil in the world? Either he's good or he's all-knowing, but he can't be both because if he's good, then he knows what I'm going through and he's not doing anything about it. If he's all-knowing, then he must not be good because he's not doing anything about it. So how do you answer these questions? Now, this is, this is getting into some pretty strict doctrine. I mean, I think the world deserves a church that knows what the heck they're talking about. Let me pray straight said. How many think the world deserves a church that knows what the heaven they're talking about? Right? So we have to have an answer. We have to have a reason for what we believe. And this summer we're going to do, are you guys ready? Some of you guys are about to freak out. You're going to have flashbacks of the metal chair, the basement, and the nun. We're going to go to catechism. How many of you guys, your knuckles are hurting already? Like, ah. Oh. 
just the word gives me the heebie-jeebies. But the word catechism comes from a, a biblical word, catimo, uh, and, and what, it, what it means is simply this. It means to teach in an orderly fashion. The disciplines of catechism is to answer, was it the, the Wesleyan catechism, the Catholic catechism? You have to answer like 170 questions, but it's question-based. If someone says, what is the word of God? If you've been through catechism, you get to answer, what is the word of God? Well, what, explain to me the Trinity. There's an answer. Explain to them your understanding biblically of the triune nature of God. There's a biblical pattern that, that once we understand these things, we can give an answer. How many of us think it'd be nice to dedicate some time to both experience and grounded teaching? Somebody say amen. If you don't, I'll preach all day. And so all God's people said, oh my, right? So here we go. Is there a biblical pattern? Is this biblical? Is it just an experiential revival that takes place? Wonderful. Or is it just a, a, a biblical doctrinal indoctrination teaching without the experience of that which we learned? And, and this is what it says in, in Romans. Paul says, thanks be to God that though you used to be slaves to sin, you have come to obey from your heart the what? The pattern. The pattern of what? There's a, and Paul alludes to this. There's a pattern of teaching. It's not just teaching. Prosperity, prosperity, prosperity. Eternal security, eternal security, eternal damnation. There is a hell. There isn't a hell. He says there's a pattern. There's an order to teaching. And you've come to obey wholeheartedly the pattern of teaching that has now claimed your allegiance. Look at this. What you heard, he tells to Timothy, from me, keep as the what? The pattern. Say it again. As the what? The pattern of sound teaching. And we're going to mix this with faith and love in Christ Jesus. So we're going we're to have a, a pattern of sound teaching, and we're going to have this experiential uh, life of love each other, and Jesus. In Paul's farewell address, he's getting ready to leave the Ephesian church, a church that he, he founded, and, he, and trust me, he loves dearly. Like you read the book of Acts, his interactions with the Ephesian church. Uh, you, you look at his, his writings um, to others about the Ephesian church and then the letter to the Ephesians. Paul loves these guys. He's gonna leave them and he says, I'll never see you again. If I've done anything wrong, I owe anybody money or an apology, get it now because the, the next time you see me, we'll be, we'll be standing on streets of gold. You'll never see me again in this life. And they're brokenhearted. And this is what he says. Listen to this. He says, for I have not hesitated to proclaim to you the what? Now, what's the word whole mean? Anybody know? Whole. Yeah, in other words, like there is a teaching. There's a proclamation. There's a teaching that once given cannot be added to. And he goes, I've taught you everything. That pattern we discussed in Timothy and Romans, I've given it to you. The Ephesian church, you have the knowledge of the good news of Jesus Christ. You can defend it. You can proclaim it. You can teach it. I can add nothing to it. Once you understand Jesus is resurrected, once you understand his love, once you understand the Father, once you understand sin, once you understand the cross, the resurrection, once you understand these things, it's like, and part two of the resurrection. Like, no, the resurrection. You know what's better than the resurrection? Yeah, Nothing. You, you know what? You know what loving God or being loved by God 2.0 looks like? There's no 2.0. There's an original. And they knew it. They had been taught this. Did you know that the Great Commission, hear me, the Great, what do you think of when you think the Great Commission? Go into all the world. We think of like people in army boots and snake skins and, you know, machetes, a Bible under one hand, a machete in the other, and a, dragging a tent from their booty as they go through the jungles of some foreign country, and they stand there, and they proclaim the gospel, and they build the church. And, and that certainly is true, but did you know that the Great Commission is actually a commission of teaching? Look at this. 
Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and what? And teaching. It's, it's not just the machete in the Bible. It's what's in the Bible that needs to be taught before that guy straps that tent to his booty and goes to the next town. I have seen in my missionary journeys churches that had an experience of Jesus that had not been rooted in the Word. And what happens is that experience then gets blended in with, with further other doctrines, even demonic doctrines. When I was in Haiti, um, the church was a certain percentage Catholic, a certain percentage Protestant, a certain percentage Lutheran, a certain percentage, but it was 100% voodoo. In the Catholic church, Catholic priests would offer on the altars blood sacrifices to demons. You say, that's not true. I'm telling you, go to Haiti, walk into a church, and see what's sitting on the altar. It's, it's somebody's lunch was there recently. And, and, it's, and what, what do they do? Well, they had this experience of God through Catholicism, but they didn't have the teaching of God. And in the end, what they did is they took their experience and they blended it with, with all the other religions. We see this all over the world, guys. We are understanding in some ways too late that, that we cannot bring Jesus without bringing Jesus' teachings. Because if you bring Jesus without his teachings, they take the experience of Jesus and they just combine it with pagan ideologies and idolatries. So teaching them to obey everything. Anybody know what the word everything is? What it, what it means in Greek? Bingo. I have commanded you and surely, and Fred and Laverne and all of you, I am with you always to the very end of the age. So why is this so important? Please hear me. Um, what we think to a great extent is what we are. I... I just coming up with this, so if this is a bad example, just blame spontaneity, but I can see you to some degree. I've had uh, six eye surgeries, and the lights interact with different things that have happened in my eyes and so forth, but when, but when I look through these lenses, I see you better. Does that make sense? And, and if I had perfect lenses, I could see you perfectly. And in the same way, what, what these glasses do for me is what my thoughts do for me. When I look at what's happening in the world and I have no other thoughts through which I, to digest them, it can feel like the world is out of control and God's a million miles away and I'm singing Midler songs from a distance. God is watching us, you know? And in Costa Rica, Pastor Jason and I had to share a space and he sang to me every night, you are the wind beneath my sheets. Um, it's a different story for a different time, Right? But that, that, not just what's happening, but how I'm digesting, how I'm processing, how I see what's really happening. It is so important that you are grounded in what is not changing as everything around you changes. If you know who you are, you know whose you are, you know what you are, you know the purpose of who you are, then everything becomes your servant. But if you don't know Jesus as master, you just know him as, I raised my hand in fourth grade and I'm eternally secure. If you don't know him as master, then what happens is you're going to be blown back and forth by every wind of doctrine, by every social phenomena. I'll be honest with you, I don't know if artificial intelligence is going to exterminate the human race or just write my emails better for me. Because I, everybody that's an expert says it's going to kill you and don't worry about it. So as they're deciding whether or not this is a lethal cocktail of technology that will press all the buttons, overtake all the drones, and annihilate us in a nuclear war, of which we had no choice because we didn't know how to unplug something, evidently, My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I, I had this firm foundation. Now, is that a denial? No, I, I wasn't baptized in denial. I was baptized in the Jordan, baby. You know what I mean? I'm, I'm not you know, just putting my head in the sand. I'm putting my head in the clouds. 
I'm fixing my eyes on Jesus. Why? Because he is the author and he is the perfecter of that thing in me called faith. So no matter what happens, if the robots take over, I'm going to heaven. If the robots don't take over, I'm going to heaven. If the robots take over next year, I'm going to heaven next year. Robots don't take over next year, I get to get older and fatter and you all have to look at it. I'm telling you, there's some upsides to this, right? So what we think, what we believe, what we consider supreme establishes our reality, whether it's true or not. How many guys know there are people today that believe the earth is flat? They're just fun to be around. They're like Ohio State fans. You just poke them and they jump. Hail to the right, you know? The earth, she's around, you know? That was a direct quote from uh, Columbus. So God wants our minds and hearts to be filled with this truth. This is why he says, don't, don't be conformed to the pattern, to the... The, the word pattern there is the word we get our word. Um, what do you call a? It's not a blueprint. It's like an electronic layout. Schematic. A schematic. Yeah, the word schematos. Thank you. I know the Greek word, not the English word. Welcome to my brain. Don't conform to the, to the schematic, to the plan, the preparation, the, the way it's supposed to roll out as the devil has designed it. Don't, don't conform to that pattern, but be transformed. It's the word metamorphos. We get our word metamorphosis. Like if you, once, listen, the experience of Jesus and the teaching of Jesus will take a worm and turn it into a butterfly. It, it'll take what you were and turn you into what you're supposed to be. It'll take a lesser evolution of who you are and make it a greater evolution through the grace of God. But, but how does it happen? Don't be, trans, don't be conformed, be transferred by the renewing of your mind. We spent a lot of time talking about brain physiology. But understand this, some of us need to develop new reflexes. Instead of reaching for anger every time we hear something that opposes our truth, what, what if we reach for prayer because Jesus is bigger than those who would oppose him? I'm not saying, and that changes everything and we shouldn't vote, and I'm not saying that. I'm simply saying this, that, that sometimes our reaction is just as fleshly as the sin we're responding to. And, that, and the world doesn't need an angry church. It needs a right one. One that's right with themselves, right with God, and right with the world around them. Those who oppose you, you must gently instruct in the hope that God will grant them repentance and lead them to a knowledge of the truth. That's what Paul tells Timothy, right? So don't conform. Our brains are important. So why do we need apologia? Let me give you a few reasons and, and, and we'll consider this series off to a good start. You with me? Why do we need this? Number one is this, is that we have to continue in the faith. And, I, and I'm, again, this is not to point fingers, but I'm about to show you a scripture that would contradict what I believe to be a key heresy of our day that causes a lot of people a lot of problems. This is the heresy. When I was in fourth grade, I went to Bible camp, VBS, I went to Explore Camp, and I raised my hand, and I said a prayer, and I had experience with God, and no matter what I do for the rest of my life, I am going to heaven because of that one experience. Now, I am not opposed to the one experience. We're going to have that experience with a lot of fourth graders uh, a week from tomorrow. Somebody say amen, right? But understand this. Paul will contradict that to the book of Colossians, and he says, but now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight. We're doing good so far, right? Without blemish and free from accusation. But what's the next word? Now, that's a pretty important word. In other words, there's something, if that's going to happen, it's only if, then. He gives us the then, he's going to give us the if. What's the if? If you continue in your faith, established and firm, and do not move from the hope held out in the gospel. Yeah, I didn't expect an amen. But, but thank you, it's too late. But thanks anyway, I appreciate the try. What I'm saying is this. 
Guys, I believe, now I'm not saying, oh, you're speeding on the way to church, you need to repaint and thin no more. You know what I mean? Like it's, you, you, you can't, you're not going to heaven because it said 55, you and 56, you're in danger of damnation. But I'm saying this, can you envision a time where God dealt with a young person's heart, a child's heart, a, a man, a woman's heart? But little by little, they went back to the things they used to be a slave to. And little by little, they walked away. Little by little, they broke the vow. Little by little, they lied. Little by little, and they, and they became what Jesus once saved them from. Does it make sense? We can't earn our salvation, but our salvation needs to have fruit or it's no longer our salvation. And so what keeps us, here it is. If you continue in your faith, what is our faith established and firm in? It, it's, it, we don't move from the hope held out in the gospel. We've got to stay connected to Jesus. Jesus says, if you love me, guess what? Obedience to my commandments will be the fruit of that. And I, I love that <laughs> someone said, if you love me, you, if you love me, you take me on a date once in a while. No, no, that's not what Jesus is doing. If you love me, how do I know you love him? Well, because I sing louder than everybody else in my row. Not a bad thing, but maybe not the seminal evidence we're looking for. How do we know if we love him? Well, because I, I'm the biggest giver in my church. I haven't missed a Sunday since 1908. I'm a deacon. I'm an elder, I'm a preacher, I'm a pastor. This, this, by the way, is an apostle. And he talks about how he himself doesn't want to be left out because after he preached to others, he himself disqualified himself through his lack of faith. Are you hearing what I'm saying? I'm not trying to make you afraid of losing your salvation. I'm trying to help you to understand that loving God has fruit. And we can kind of reverse engineer if there is no fruit or if the fruit is not the fruit of Jesus, it's the fruit of our flesh, then who is our God? So we need the word of God. Come on, somebody say amen. Don't leave me up here. I don't want to hear that. I want to hear I'm going to heaven and how much Jesus loves me. Hell, okay, you're going to heaven. Jesus loves you. But there's something that is on your end that reciprocates that. I, we get married. There's a vow. There's a covenant. There's a wedding night. There's a honeymoon. How many guys realize, though, there won't be a marriage if I don't live like I'm her husband? And there won't be a marriage unless she lives like she's a married woman and I'm her husband. Does that make sense? When I, I, I raised my hand. I said, I'd choose you. We took a vow. I got a ring. I haven't seen her in four years. But legally, I'm married. Like, well, maybe legally you're married because you haven't been divorced, but you haven't been married in a long time because marriage requires intimacy, communication, cooperation. Here we go. Compromise. Death. After every wedding, man, there's got to be two funerals before there can be one marriage. Well, that's, that's an ongoing negotiation. That's an ongoing relationship. This is an ongoing relationship. And the negotiation is I surrender, I surrender. So it's kind of a, kind of a short negotiation. Let's keep going here. Uh, look, look again. So uh, what else do we need this for? Well, unity in the knowledge of Christ. I mean, know when we say Jesus, we should all be talking about the same person. Some people say Jesus. They're talking about the God they pray to and they stub their toe. When their kid spills grape juice on the couch. I remember Bill Cosby saying when he was a kid, he thought his name was Jesus Christ. Every time in the walking room did something stupid, his dad went, uh, you know, I won't say it, but you know what I mean? Like, he's, I, his mom said, you're such an idiot. He said, I'm not an idiot, I'm Jesus Christ. Like, you know, his mom and dad had an opinion about what his name was. It's a terrible thing. But, but unity in the knowledge of Christ. Look at this, Ephesians, Paul says this. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers to equip his people for works of service. Look at this. So that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach what? Come on, say it with me. Unity in the... 
And in the knowledge, faith and knowledge, experience, the balance, there it is, experience and knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Now, I want to point something out to you. He doesn't say unity of faith. So if one of us can heal the sick, all of us can heal the sick. One of us can prophesy. We all can prophesy. That's not what we're striving for. There's, there's various gifts. Does this make sense? But when we talk about Jesus, we should all be talking about the same person. Unity in the faith. We're not talking about the fruit of your faith. We're talking about the root of your faith. We should all have the same root. Come on, people. We should all have Jesus as the root of this thing. Not, not our friendships with each other, as beautiful as they are. Not that we're not lonely anymore. Not that we quit drinking. Not, not that, you know, we've been through 11 of the 12 steps and meant four of them right? But, but that Jesus has brought us here. Jesus has brought us together. We're, we're in ecclesia. We were once scattered, but we heard the ringing of a bell and a voice crying out saying, come to me, come to me, come to me. And we gathered from where we were, and we gathered under the banner of Jesus Christ. And I'm not talking about us. I'm talking about us, the body of Christ. Somebody know we are, we are one with Jesus. That makes us one with the rock, one with floodgate, one, one with the, the Methodist church. Anybody who calls on the name of the Lord and is saved is our brothers and our sisters. Come on. There's unity, right? Not unity of the faith. I believe things that are different from other people. But, but I know this. We need unity in the faith. So when Pastor West at the Rock says Jesus, he's talking about the same Jesus we're talking about. When Pastor Bill at Floodgate talks about Jesus, he's talking about the same Jesus Pastor West is. We, we may not have doctrines that, that completely sink, but understand this. We should know who Jesus is. We should trust the scriptures. We should be filled with the same spirit. And that will make us one church. Here's my last thought. Um, they're deceivers, you know? Nah, that's not my last thought, but it's close to it. They're deceivers. Piano guy joined me, so there's no choice but to end this message. And all God's people said? Amen. Ah, way too hardy. Best amen I got all day. We're landing the plane, my favorite part of the flight. <laughs> yeah, never mind. I almost said something terrible. Um, I think one of the biggest challenges that we have ahead of us, it's going to be a real shift. Um, and I, I just, I want to say this well, but there's this chance that I don't. So how many guys forgive me before I say it? Pre-forgiveness, it's called an indulgence. They were sold to build the Vatican. Why not today? So um, way too many of us think you're living in a season of peace and you're in a time of great warfare. When we live in peace, we get a little fluffy, we get a little lazy, we get a little undisciplined. Why? Because, you know, I'm in basic training, but there's no war. I literally had this experience. I joined the army not because I was a patriot or a soldier, I joined the army because no one was hiring except my uncle, Uncle Sam. Got out of high school in 83, the Great Recession's going on. I met my drill sergeant. We had a wonderful first meeting. I'll never forget it in spite of all the medication and therapy, you know. And it was just a Tuesday to him. And, and you know, I'm learning how to do this and how to do a push-up, how to do a sit-up. And I'm, I'm a sloppy, just jumped out of my rucksack kind of a kid, you know doing the least I can before I get caught and get in trouble. I don't finish first. I couldn't, but you dare not finish last. So you kind of figure out a way to fit into the middle somewhere. And they woke us up one morning. It was about one o'clock in the morning. They wake up anytime they want to, but usually it's about five or four. They get us out of the rack and they come in and gently say, Jimmy, it's time to get up. Here's your orange juice. <sighs> they turn on the lights and they go, at the fluorescent, and they kick a garbage can. Bang! Get your blankety blanks out of your blankety blank, you blankety blank, and let me talk about your mother blankety blank. I'm like, dude, where's my orange juice? <laughs> they call us on a formation. This is what they said. As of Odark 30 this morning, our nation is at war with the island nation of Grenada. We're accelerating your training. 
we are heading for war. Now go back to sleep. <laughs> we all laid in our bunks going, I just wanted the college money. I, and, and I say that to say this, listen, I think way too many of you think right now you're just in this for the college money. And you are not. You're going to war. The days ahead of us are not about college money. The days ahead of us are about knowing the truth. God calls the word of God the, word, the sword of the Spirit. The offensive weaponry we have is the scriptures that, that apostles and prophets and kings faithfully wrote and, and inspired by the Holy Spirit and then handed down blood after blood, generation after generation, sacrifice after sacrifice so we can read the truth, the eternal truths of scripture. Does this make sense? Oh, my devotion time, I'm on the Bible app, 30 seconds, a person does this thing, and two minutes later, I'm off for my day. You are training for peace, but you are at war. It, it is insufficient to the day in which we live. Let me say this to you. If we don't get this stuff together, some of you won't be here a year from now. I mean, in faith. Why? Because the assaults are not going to end, and we're like, yeah, but yeah, well, I know, but I, like, stop. The kingdom of God is not a defensive retreating kingdom. It's an offensive advancing kingdom. And the only reason we couldn't advance is because we don't, we just like, just stop picking on me, devil. Just stop picking on me, world. Just stop picking on me, politicians. Enough is friggin' enough. But we don't protest with our own strength and our own angers, our own frustrations. We don't, we don't get out signs and walk around, to, you know, protesting everything. We get on our knees and we fight like men. We understand the Word of God and we use it skillfully and peacefully in debate until the Holy Spirit is proved right every time there's a conflict. We're the light of the world. We don't retreat. We're the salt of the earth. We cannot be made unsalty unless we choose to lose our saltiness. There are deceivers. He says this, I'm writing these things to you about those who are trying to lead you astray. The, the, the basic fundamental doctrines of Christianity, faithfully handed down for 19 centuries, have been so ludicrously advanced. I'm sorry, have been so ludicrously assaulted. We don't know what a boy is anymore. We don't know what a girl is anymore. Scripture declared it long ago. Nature confirms it. It is a done issue. No matter what scientists, sociologists, you know, psychiatrists says, it's a ridiculous question. So we don't, we don't have to debate it. We just have to answer it. What, what about some other things? Marriage. Mowage. That blessed arrangement, right? We, we know what marriage is and we know what marriage isn't. Why? Because Scripture declared it hundreds, if not thousands of years ago. It's been lived successfully in every generation since. We're not smarter than our forefathers. And certainly we're not smarter than the Word of God. These aren't cultural debates. These are lies. And you have the truth. Well, I have an opinion. Don't have an opinion. Have Scripture. I have a sword. Isn't it beautiful? It hangs over my mantle. I look at it every night for two minutes. Oh, great, but you can't use it in a fight. You know what I'm saying? And I'll just say this in closing. Some doctrines are difficult to understand. Are you with me? Have you ever read the book of Romans? You're like, dude, Paul, what were you smoking when you wrote this? Chapter 7, the things I don't want to do, I do. And the things I do, I don't want to do. And, and so if I do that, it's not me that does it. It's sin that's living in me. And you go, what? It's not me. No, it's me. <laughs> Try that next time you get pulled over. You know, speed you're going, well, I do, but it wasn't me. It was me. So, I mean, and even, even Peter. How many guys know when Peter says your teachings are tough? That's what Pete says. He writes, Paul writes the same way in all of his letters, speaking in them of these matters. His letters contain some things <laughs> that are hard to understand. Peter, 
goes, yeah, Paul's kind of nuts. But, but he, it's not that it isn't true. It's that you've got you to put some, you got to chew before you swallow or you'll choke, right? His letters contain some things that are hard to understand, which ignorant and unstable people distort as they do the other scriptures to their own destruction. Hear me. He's not saying it's not scripture. Isn't it interesting that Peter looks at Paul's writing and says, that's the Bible. That's inspired. I know it because I've written some of it. That's inspired doctrine. It's hard, but don't twist it and take it every direction. So there are deceivers. Some things are hard to understand. We, we need leaders and defenders. They have to be raised up. There, he says this, he must hold firmly to trustworthy message as it has been taught. Taught, there's that word taught again, didasco, so that he can encourage others by sound doctrine and, come on, and, and, come on, and what? And refute. How many guys would love to have a debate if you knew you are going to win? And you wouldn't have to yell. You wouldn't have to call anybody names. You just say, well, the Bible says this. Oh, you believe the Bible? Yeah, I do. I trust what has been tested for thousands of years over what's been tested for a couple of, a couple of years. How many, guys, how many guys can name a single social experiment that has succeeded thus far? And why do we call it a social experiment? Because it deviated from what society has been for millennia. Well, let's just try this. You, know, you, don't, you don't like an experiment? Then you're a bad person. You're afraid of something. You're a hater. No, no. I'm a sustainer. How many of you guys know that as soon as we get called a name, or as soon as you call somebody a name, you've actually forfeited the, the high ground? Well, those dirty, well, those net, well, those terrible. I, please hear me. Like, please hear my heart. I understand the frustration, but as soon as you use a name or they use a name, what they've done is conceded the point. I have no further evidence to refute your point. So now I'll just say, Jane, you ignorant. I forget what the rest of the sentence is. We should never have to call anybody a name. And we never have to yell when we're right. I'm going to spend some time this summer asking the right questions, learning how to answer them. Because we have to be a powerful yet peaceful organization that has the right answers to the questions of the world around us, including why do you guys have the hope that you do in Jesus? So let's take some time. What do you say? Last summer, there's a group of people came down us during the Roe versus Wade reversal. I saw a gathering of probably 30 young people, and they were mad. A lot of, I think they were from France. The, end, the language they had seemed to come from a certain dialect of France, and a lot of, a lot of short and staccato kind of four-letter expressions that were there. And, and a local police officer came over to me and said, what, what is that? Do you know? And I said, I don't know. He said, would you mind, Reverend? I guess you know, if you don't know me, you call me Reverend. If you do call me, you, you call me for lunch. And... Uh, he said, would you mind going there and find out what they're doing? Because if I wade into it, it's a thing. You wade into it, it's not a thing. I thought that was a nice thing to say. So I walked into the middle, literally all these kids. And as soon as this old guy walks in with no hair and I'm kind of fluffy, I walked in, hey, I said, hey guys, what are we protesting tonight? What's the protest about? Who's in charge? One guy goes, well, I'm, I guess I'm in charge. <laughs> I said, and what a bold leader you are, son. What, uh, what are we protesting? Well, it's reproductive rights. I said, for or against? Or, I don't know, we're, we're for a woman's right to choose. And I said, that's fascinating. Can I, can I ask you a couple of questions? And, and I, I am neither for you nor against you, but man, I'm for the truth. Do you like truth or would you prefer ignorance? He said, I like truth. There we go. I asked him a few questions that were difficult, if not impossible, to answer from his viewpoint. And he knew which side of the debate I was on. I said, I want you to know something. I'm a veteran. I support your right to have free speech and walk up and down these sidewalks and say just about anything you want. And when you guys are done, it was a super hot night, uh, I'll race you down the water slide and in your whole team, I'll buy you ice cream. 
I'd love to spend time with you and just talk. How many guys know that's more effective than a counter-protest on the other side of the street? When we, when we wade into a sea of them and we're not afraid, we're saying something. When we offer to love people that have a different point of view than we might have, we're saying something. When I don't have to yell, why? Because I know I'm right. You're walking off a building, I don't believe in gravity. I'm going to try to talk you out of it. But in the end, take a step of faith, brother. The earth is flat. You see what I'm saying? We're going to spend the summer asking these questions. By the end of the summer, you'll be able to answer them. Always be prepared to give a reason for the hope. Always. Father, today I pray. My reason, God, you know, I I walked into a concert, a lost soul. And it wasn't, it wasn't the, uh, the mental uh, ascension of answered questions that got me finally and long last a position of faith. I was, I was born again breach. I came out butt first. And my head had to catch up. My experience with you started this thing. But man, I needed those doctrines if I was going to hold on to that experience. And God, I, I pray over the people that are here, whether they're experiential and perhaps a lot of balance or they're, they're you know, theological and equally out of balance. Bring us to that place, God, as the body of Christ where we believe. When we say Jesus, we mean the same person. When we say Scripture, we're saying the same thing. When we say Holy Spirit or, or our Father, we, we're, we're not describing nebulous concepts. These are, these are people that we know and we hold positions, not just opinions, through truth on these issues. So this summer we dedicate to the study of Scripture to the outreach to the lost, learning to worship in fresh ways. We, we dedicate to that which is experiential and that which is intellectual because we need both our brains and our hearts to engage. Answers for hope. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. Listen, I, I, I felt this a little bit earlier. I'll just take a moment. But if you need prayer for your body today, and I, I've never done this before. It was an odd thing. Um, I might just modify it a little bit, but this is what I felt during worship, and I I balked on it a little bit. I was going to get on the roller coaster, and I chickened out because I had to go to the bathroom, kind of a moment, you know? But I I felt this. I felt like not not you who has the need, but you who knows of the need, that you would come forward in proxy, that you would stand in the gap for somebody that needed prayer today. I know there was a woman that has vertigo, just barely got it in the church today, and I don't want her to walk forward. I know there's a, a friend here whose son is getting cancer treatment, really been going through a hard time. And so in my mind, I was like, I, it, it won't be those who have needs. It'll be those who know of those who have needs that are willing to stand in the gap for others. So when I say amen today, um, if you know somebody that needs prayer, and, and by the way, staff and others, this might require more uh, help than, than just our, our normal prayer team. So be mindful of that. Deacons, if you would, elders, if you would, be prepared to stand in the gap. And if there's a line, we don't want people waiting for an hour for prayer. We just want to walk forward and say, I'm standing in the gap for my son. I'm standing in the gap for Sky. I'm standing in the gap for, you know, the woman in the back. I'm, I'm standing in the gap for They're Just agreeing in prayer. The Bible says this, whatever two or more gather together in my name, I'll be there in the midst. And whatever you ask for in my name, I will do. And that's the scripture we're standing on. That's the knowledge that gives us the hope of experience now. The last thing is this, you're not right with God. If you are not right with God, and you know it, you've wandered, you faded in the race. Pain convinced you that a lie was true. Emptiness 
made that which as a Twinkie but lied to you and behaved as if it were a stake. And now, with 30 silver coins in your hands, you realize you've made a terrible mistake. Today, I just never gave my life to Jesus, man. I've been, I've been growing towards that, but today I think I'm actually ready. All over this room right now, let me just say this to you and I'll close. The good news of Jesus Christ is that heaven and its kingdom is within your grasp, or what Jesus says, it's at hand, which means if you were to reach out right now, you could grab hold of it. And like sticking your finger in a light socket, as you grab hold of it, it grabs hold of you. Today, if you'd like to be born again, today, if you'd like a fresh start, a clean slate, repent, change your mind. Direction you're heading, don't have that direction, head a new one. Today, I'm going the way that God has for me. I give my life to Jesus. Do it right now in your own way. God, forgive me. God, help me. God, use me. God, I'm sorry I, I was inactive when you called me to active. I, I'm, help me. I give you everything I'm not, and all my hope now is in you. I dedicate this summer to knowing in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. Stand to your feet, please. Altar workers, come forward. And again, if you need prayer, come forward. But if you know somebody that needs prayer, I feel like that's, God's got a little special something on that for this morning. So come forward as well. God bless you. Live long, prosper. You're dismissed. We'll see you.